Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast. This is me. It's Jessica, but I sound weird because I have a cold. No stinking cold is going to stop me from talking to you, but I sound weird, so just deal with it, my friends. Just deal with it. So today I decided to do something a little different. I've done a little roundup of questions from a bunch of people that are a little bit shorter, and I want to answer them all. The first question I have says, my question is about moon signs and whether we're supposed to lean into them or away from them. I live in fear of reverting to my cancer moon tendencies, but I also feel it's important to keep hold of my emotional depth. So this is a really good question, and it even surprised me because I hope there is no astrologer out there suggesting that we should in any way lean away from our moon sign. You are not meant to lean away from any planet in your chart. Because when we lean away from a planet, what we're essentially doing is leaning away from ourselves. And that is not a wise move. So the moon in astrology relates to your emotional nature. And let's say you have a moon in cancer. And let's say that moon in cancer is being beat up by all the other planets in your chart you're still not meant to move away from it or lean away from it. Instead, what we want to be able to do is embody to the best of our ability, the best characteristics of our chart or the healthiest articulation of our least healthy nature, right? If you have a moon in cancer, that means you are emotionally really sensitive. It means that you experience subtle shifts as big things. It means a lot of things about you, But what's important about your question, because I'm not pulling up your whole chart here, is that being willing to honor your nature and work within your nature empowers you to make the most of your nature. Never deny what you are. Now, that doesn't mean blindly express all parts of yourself without discretion, of course, But having moon and cancer, I mean, honestly, the moon is naturally in the sign of cancer. The moon is happy in cancer. So brace your heart, aka your moon. I have another question for you, my friends. What is the deal with stelliums? What if you have two of them, like me? How do you work with those energies if they are conflicting? This person has both a Libra stellium and a Scorpio stellium. And for those who don't know, a stellium is a concentration of planets in a particular sign or house. And a concentration, some astrologers will use three or more planets. Some will say four or more. Uh, For me, it kind of depends on the planets involved. But regardless, this person has two stelliums. Having a Libra and a Scorpio stellium is not conflicting, just for whatever that's worth. Conflicting in astrology generally means the planets are at a 90 degree angle or a 180 degree angle. A stellium means that all the planets that are involved in that stellium or concentration come from a similar perspective. And from within that perspective, they see the world and experience the world in similar ways. Now that agreement of planets in signs or houses, that agreement between those planets can work in really one of two ways. It can give you a really unified perspective, and that unified perspective can be a source of strength, or it can create massive blind spots because the world is so clearly one way to you. It's really hard to tolerate or even acknowledge the fact that it isn't that way for other people. 
or it isn't working that way. When we go through transits to a stellium, you can have years at a time of back-to-back transits, right? So people who have a scattered chart where planets are kind of all over the place, they'll go through something for a year, couple months, maybe a couple years, and then they'll have a couple months, couple years off. You know, it's just kind of like high, low, high, low, high, low. People with stelliums are like low, 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 high, high, high. (laughs) So things are more concentrated in your nature. Things are more concentrated in your life. When studying the idea of stelliums, people get really wrapped up in it. Your nature is your nature. Don't overthink it. Just go to the solution. Okay. So if that's my nature, how can I work with it? How can I make peace with where I'm at and how I'm experiencing things so that I can get on with the work. When we have a unified perspective, we can become rigid. Now, in the case of having a Libra stellium, that rigidity is actually, you know, more around like indecision of like everything is possible and everything is a maybe. So that that can also become its own rigidity, but it is a rigidity. And that rigidity is simply from having such a unified perspective. I have another question. I found that I have a difficulty with some signs, but all of the relationships that I've had, even the difficult ones have helped me grow and I am grateful for them. Is the compatibility that you find online about Zodiac signs really accurate or should I stay clear of certain characteristics and signs? That is a great question. I love that somebody asked me this question because I believe that humans are complex creatures and I believe that when we like love or crush out on someone, we are not just doing it through our son. The son is the identity. It's a sense of self. It's the will. It's a huge part of who and what we are. But personally me, if I'm dating someone casually, I'm not really doing it with my identity. (laughs) I'm doing it with other parts. I don't know about you. What about the heart? That's the moon. Mars? sexuality. You know, I could keep on going. But the the thing that I think is really important is that when we pathologize ourselves or others through sun sign astrology, we are limiting our own potential and we are minimizing the potential of others. And that's just lazy astrology. I don't think it's a great idea in general. So if you decide, and you know, and I have seen this on social media a fair amount, if you decide Scorpio men are terrible, <laughs> well, I mean, then you're just you're in a way you're making mockery of all of astrology of all the millions of Scorpio men in the world. There are many, many different kinds because they all have different charts. And so while yes, there are characteristics that are the same, we do not exist in isolation. And so our whole nature is what is to be considered. My personal approach to dating with astrology is I do not look at someone's birth chart and I do not look at their sign in the first three months. Get to know a person based on your own experience, based on your own ish, and then you can introduce astrology as a way to be like, okay, let me make sense of my experience instead of trying to get ahead of having to be vulnerable by trying to understand who and what they are. Now, people hate it when I say that, generally speaking. And I know, you know, I have lots of friends who are astrologers and most of them don't do this, but I am really vigilant about that astrology does not absolve you of having to do the emotional work of being present, of showing up, and of allowing others to reveal themselves to you in their own way. And I personally have been in a relationship for seven years. I can't tell you what my partner's Mars is. I don't remember. I have to go look it up. And I do that on purpose because it is not valuable to be able to project into the people that you're actually showing up with. Now, maybe a potential business partner, that's a, that's a wise move. But for crushes, mm, let people show up. 
and you show up and then figure it out later. So I hope that is helpful, my friend. I've got another one for you guys. A questioner asks, I have been setting my chart and astrology for about six months. I've discovered my 12th house stellium and most things I've read indicate that this placement usually brings difficulties. Do you have any advice with someone with this kind of placement? So again, we have somebody referring to a stellium, which is a concentration of planets. Having a concentration of planets in a particular house means that those planets could be in more than one sign, just for astrology students out there. So first of all, I want to say congratulations on six months of studying astrology. You're at the part where hopefully you are doing a lot of memorization and you are not going too far into the future into prediction because it's six months of study. It's too soon to be doing that, right? Uh, Grandma Lanyetta has spoken. The 12th house gets a really bad reputation. I feel really passionate about the 12th house. It is one of my favorite houses to talk about and to look at in astrology. When we see planets in the 12th house, what we are seeing is the issues of those planets and the energies of those planets were actively repressed in our parents or guardians anywhere from a year before we were born until we were about seven years old. What we basically have is parts of our nature that we have a hard time having real ownership of. And when we have a hard time having ownership of them, we can often flounder in the material world because it's hard to present in a, in a solid, confident way. But you know, when you read about the 12th house, you're like, you will go mad. You will end up in prison. You will be so sad. And I don't believe that that's true. I do think that when we have 12th house planets, we must cultivate our inner world. We must cultivate, whether it's your spirituality, your creativity, but it is certainly your relationship to yourself. And when I say self, I mean your soul and your psyche. And that is a little funky for capitalism and, you know, an industrialized society, right? It doesn't really easily work in, but that's fine. You don't have to join an ashram. You don't have to like go to a nunnery about it unless you want to, which is cool. But what you can simply do is make sure that you create enough space and time in your physical life to resource your internal life, your ethereal life. And that might look like meditation. And it might look like sleeping a lot and it might look like journaling and it'll look like different things over the course of your life. You are not doomed. You are for sure not doomed. Will you have difficulties? Of course you will. Life is difficult. Anyone who's going to tell you that life isn't difficult, I don't know what they're smoking. I would like some. It is difficult to be a person and the difficulties that the 12th house brings are just your particular kinds of difficulties. If you've got a lot of 10th house planets or a lot of third house planets, you'd have different kinds of difficulties. That's all. When you study astrology, it's easy to be like, oh no, I'm doomed. <laughs> yeah, sure. You, you may be doomed. I may be doomed. We're all a little doomed. I mean, we're all going to end up dead one day. It's real. You know, the longer I study astrology, the more clear I am that the human condition is not meant to be chill and happy all the time. However, the less time you spend wondering why me and, and what does it mean? And the more time you spend being like, okay, here I am. So what do I need to resource in myself? What do I need to leverage in the world around me? What do I need to learn or do in order to be my best, happiest, healthiest self? Now that's where your joy begins. That's where, that's where your life starts to really thrive. I have another question. 
I've learned that I've been going through Neptune Square and that in addition, there are a whole series of challenging midlife transits that are still to come for me. And this is daunting. Any advice for dealing with these midlife transits? And does midlife really have to be a crisis? So this is a really great question. And what this listener is referring to is a Neptune Square to Neptune that happens around mid-age. So midlife is generally in the 40s somewhere. And yes, these mid-age transits are associated with crisis. Yeah. They are a crisis. So the problem with with this question or with what I think a lot of people struggle with is this idea that crisis equals bad. Crisis does not equal bad. Every time you have an inspiration, it is a crisis in consciousness. Every time you fall in love, it is a crisis. It is a crisis. It's not a bad crisis, but it is a crisis. So yes, the Neptune square is a crisis in that it shifts something really profound within you. It deepens your spirituality. And that on its own is a crisis because the 20s and 30s are so much about the material world. And so when we have this shift into more of our spiritual lives and the need and value for getting more meaning from life that generally comes with crisis. And so the issue is to not pathologize upsets and unpleasant feelings, but instead to seek the opportunity in those things. And I think that that is something that is difficult to do, but absolutely possible. And for some of us, the mid-age crisis, there's a series of transits that occur there, is actually kind of exciting and positive. And for some of us, it's really awful. And for most of us, it's a combination of both. In terms of being Uh, daunted. Be honest with yourself. Be willing to grow and change. When we are in these transits, we are not meant to be stable. We are meant to change and grow. And so the key is not how can I compromise? The key is how can I live more fully? How can I make choices that are more authentic? Because I'm a, a 70s baby, the stereotype I grew up with was the midlife crisis with some dude leaving his family for a secretary, driving off in a red sports car. And if we unpack that stereotype a little bit, what it's really about is somebody waking up one day feeling like they're running out of time and trying to recapture their youth. And that is a great example of what you should not ever try to do. Recapturing youth is a terrible, terrible idea. Don't recapture youth. Embody your adulthood in a way that is full of life and full of light because you can't go back. You can't go back and thank God for that. Instead, be really present in the best possible way now. I have one final question here, which is about Pluto transits. I've been going through a few major transits and by Pluto. And when I saw them coming, I had a lot of anxiety and fear. I'm working my way through these transits and they're not scary at all. Is it possible that you're ready for transformation and actively working for change and that Pluto just comes and it's actually not that bad or scary? The answer is, of course it is. Yes. The answer is yes. When we read about Pluto transits out in the world, it is quite terrifying. (laughs) And this is where, again, you know, and I've said this before on the podcast, I say it in my horoscopes, I'll say it again. When you read about astrology and you're not an astrologer, you will inevitably have the experience from time to time of what I have when I look at WebMD. I look because I have a little bite or I have like a little rash. And then I look and I see like, oh my God, I'm dying from a rash. And then I self-diagnose into misery. So the thing is, is that when we look at astrology, it's lots and lots of little parts. It's lots of pieces. And what a skilled and experienced astrologer can do is synthesize what this particular Pluto transit means in the concert of your chart. And your chart is lots and 
lots and lots and lots and lots of little details that are synthesized to become a whole person. And so, yes, some Pluto transits that are technically quite difficult and bad are quite lovely for some people. And some transits by Pluto that are supposed to be easy are tragically difficult for some people. And there is too in-depth of a reason of why then I can get into it in this particular episode of this podcast. But I will say that the more that you are willing to do the work, the easier most of life is. And also, sometimes the rug gets pulled out from underneath you, no matter how much work you're doing. Life is not fair and life is not symmetrical. And if you want life to be fair and symmetrical, then when shitty things happen to you, it feels like you're being punished, but you're not. So enjoy that things are going smoothly with this Pluto transit. Now, all Pluto transits last about two years, so don't get too attached to it being easy. And I don't say this to freak you out, just because you want to keep on doing the work without attachment. That's life with Pluto transits and beyond. Now, my friends, keep on sending me your questions. I love them. And as it says on my website, the more succinct your question is, the more likely you'll get an answer. And I love answering your questions. So keep them coming. Welcome back to the Astrology Corner of Ghost of a Podcast. And thank you for joining me this week, as I thank you for joining me every week. You know how I love it. So this week, astrologically, we have so much going on. And the thing you want to remember about transits, this is not your only opportunity to work through a thing. And it's not like these things exist in isolation. Astrology, like life, happens in cycles. And as we experience these cycles of development, we have the opportunity to make choices around how we're going to engage with our feelings, our circumstances, etc. This particular week is going to bring up really intense emotions simply because it starts off with a lunar eclipse. And a lunar eclipse is a full moon. And as I said to you a couple weeks back, eclipses happen in pairs. So we did have a solar eclipse at the start of Capricorn. And here on the 20th, the sun moves into Aquarius and we have a full moon at exactly zero degrees of Leo and 52 minutes. And it's happening on the 20th in California at 9.16 p.m. Pacific time. And so if you're on the East Coast or if you're in Europe, then you're gonna feel it on the 21st. And I just as a quick aside, I got a question recently from someone who is in Europe that asked me like, when you give these dates and times, what do I, what am I supposed to do with it? And you just want to remember whenever I give a date and time, I am saying it for Pacific time, California time, and you want to just adjust the time. So if I'm saying something is at 9.15 PM on the 20th, then, and you're, you know, nine hours ahead of me, then you just want to add that. And then you'll get the exact time and date that the event is happening for you. So anyways, on the 20th, Sun moves into Aquarius. We move out of Capricorn season. I mean, there's still hella planets in Capricorn, but we, we move out of Capricorn season and we move into Aquarius season. Welcome, my friends. Welcome to Aquarius season. And this lunar eclipse is happening at the same time. We also have a Venus square to Neptune. That's exact. Now, the transits of this week, a lot of them overlap into this lunar eclipse chart that I'm looking at. And I want to say, you know, if you don't already read my weekly horoscope, I have given some questions to consider and homework for you to look at there. You can find that on my website at lovelineto.com. For this eclipse, we have this moon-sun opposition, as all full moons are, and, and the moon is in Leo, the sun is in Aquarius, and they're forming a square to Uranus. And so we can expect really explosive 
something, explosive information, explosive feelings, something may be revealed to you. You might have an insight about yourself, or you may have a breakthrough in your behavior, or you might be writing a novel and like all of a sudden be able to see a new path forward, or you may get surprise information or, you know, stumble upon something and that stumbling changes everything one way or another. Now, when we look at the energy of Leo and Aquarius, we are in a core way looking at identity issues. What I think is really interesting about that is how do you fit into the collective? How do you fit into your community? How do you fit into whatever groups you identify with and belong to or want to identify with and belong to? How are you able to embrace your authenticity? How are you able to embrace the fullness of what you are? And how are you trying to tamp it down for acceptance? These are generally pretty good themes to consider around a full moon in Aquarius season. Within all of this, I really want to just do a little tip of my hat to body image issues and beauty issues. Because Venus is forming a square to Neptune, we can fall down a path of kind of anxiety around how we look or what we think other people think or feel about how we look, how we're presenting ourselves to others. So that might be social anxiety, that might be body image stuff. I want to say, don't be scared of being big, my friends. Do not be scared to be big. Take up space. It's 2019. It's time. And what that might look like for you might be different than what it looks like for your friend or for me. And that said, Venus square to Neptune, especially happening alongside this major event of the eclipse, is a real opportunity to look at what it is that you authentically value. You know, Venus is values and Neptune is ideals. When our values and our ideals struggle with each other, we have the ability to create more pragmatic relationship or more sustainable and realistic relationship to our ideals. We have the opportunity to infuse our values with more of what gives us meaning and life, right? That's the positive potential. And my hope for you is that you challenge yourself to actually embody the values that you ideally want to have. Maybe you think it's a beautiful thing to accept yourself, but then you find yourself in social situations judging, judging, judging yourself. All right, just practice, just practice accepting yourself, especially around the 20th, 21st, especially this week. Now, the effects of an eclipse are going to play themselves out over the course of several months. And depending on how the particular planets in this chart are impacting your planets in your chart, we'll say about more about how this is going to play out for you personally and how deeply it's going to impact your life. But you don't need to know what it all means now. What I encourage you to do is to bring intention and care and your very best try to whatever it is that comes up around now. And it may surprise you, right? It may surprise you because generally eclipses bring things that we weren't exactly planning for. And because of Uranus's involvement, it will for sure bring things we're not exactly expecting. We also have in this chart, Venus being very close to Jupiter. And so this can be a time where you really want to overindulge as a way to cope with your feelings. That is reiterated by the fact that we have a moon in Leo. And so if you're going to indulge yourself, if you're going to have fun, make sure it's fun. Make sure it's not gorging, but instead treating. And 
around the eclipse, watch your substance use, be intentional about the money that you spend, how many people you decide to start like hitting up. You want to just be as intentional as you can be. And it's not because you want to manipulate the outcome. It's because instead you want to show up with your healthiest and best self. So whatever you are putting in motion unconsciously or consciously reflects who you want to be, how you want to be, and where you want to get instead of your strongest or most compelling feelings right now. So that is my hot take on the eclipse. And I would say to you, you know, we still have Saturn and Pluto and Mercury in the sign of Capricorn. So this all has a very pragmatic feel about it, right? And this is all about things that are kind of rooted in what are you doing and how are you in your body, in your life? So I want to just bring that into awareness and let you do what you will with it. Now, on the 21st, Mars forms an exact square to Saturn. We will be feeling it on the 20th as well. Now, Mars square to Saturn is really frustrating. Whenever I see this transit, I think of like being stuck in traffic and really just being so frustrated and not having anywhere you can go and no way you can control it. It's this feeling of being blocked by your circumstances and not being able to do what you want to do. Depending on your nature, this might make you really feel anxious angry or sad. It really depends on how you experience essentially frustration. But this transit is straight up frustrating. It makes you feel like things are against you. And so what you want to do, if possible, or as much as possible, is look at what steps can you take right now even if they're teeny tiny little steps, but what steps can you take to either manage your situation or your feelings? The worst thing you can do around the 21st, so a couple days before and after, is to start shit with people just because you're feeling bad. You know, people are going to annoy you. That's just likely to happen. But you're likely to annoy them too. So what you want to make sure that you're doing is breathing and showing others the same grace and patience that you would show yourself. On the 22nd, Venus will form its exact conjunction to Jupiter. Just like I said earlier on the podcast, what you want to make sure that you're doing is enjoying your life and enjoying your body and enjoying your relationships instead of numbing out or overindulging in such a way that actually takes you further from closeness and further from self-esteem and self-love instead of closer to those things. And, you know, sometimes it's just a, a, a subtle, a subtle difference between all of that. Now, I think a lot of astrologers might look at this transit and say, oh, you know, love will come into your life and it will be lucky. And I, you know, you know, I'm sorry. I don't exactly see it that way. I think that might happen for some people. I don't really read a Venus-Jupiter conjunction in that way. I think that it's more likely to simply make you feel more resilient or good. But because of these heavier other transits happening around it, my concern is that it will be more about self-indulgence than it will be about like showing up and like falling in love at first sight. So let things be vetted by time. Be open to falling in love. Be open to connecting to new people or to feeling really good in your skin. Pursue those things. But if they don't happen, don't worry about it. You haven't missed some sort of great opportunity. In my view, it's not exactly a transit strong enough to bring you love. And if I'm wrong, please at me. Let me know you fell in love that day. 
So on the 23rd, Mercury moves into Aquarius, which is a little bit of a breath of fresh air in my view, because Mercury in Capricorn is so literal and can get really kind of bogged down by what is and what isn't. And as Mercury shifts into the sign of Aquarius, we have the opportunity to kind of lighten up and see more symbolism and connections and move a little faster through ideas and relationships. And that is reiterated by the fact that Mercury, as it moves into Aquarius, forms a square to Uranus. What this means is, again, we have the risk of explosive information coming through, surprises, secrets revealed, something coming out of left field that you were not expecting. Another very common thing that happens through this transit is nervous tension feeling just really distracted and like there's 6 million things that you want to do, letting things slip between your fingers because there's just too much going on. Uranus governs accidents. And so you might say things that you didn't mean to say, press send on you know a text before you actually meant to send it, or just bonk your finger in the car door or something like that. So you, know, you just want to be really uh, as much as possible centered stay centered and act from that place because this is a really kind of electric energy. The positive of this transit, I should say, is that you may figure some shit out. You may figure some shit out. You might find a way to say it or you might find a way to see it that you just weren't able to do before. And that's actually really cool. It just depends on both how this is hitting your chart personally and also what else is going on in your life. Finally, on the 25th, we have a lovely transit. It is Mars trying to Jupiter. Mars trying to Jupiter is an expansive transit. It kind of suggests that we can get things done and not just the, the like thing immediately in front of you. This is great for big picture planning. If you're starting a trip around this day, that's exciting. It will be fun. This is a great time for exploring and travel and trying new things. It's not a great time for reigning in your drinking or whatever else you're trying to like be more conservative with. This is not a great transit for conservatism. But man, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful transit. If you've been feeling depressed or anxious or stuck, this will serve to give you options. It won't make you take those options. Trines and sextiles don't compel you to action. They simply give you options. And if you choose to take them, you can do something with it. So as we close out this week, as I'm defining the week <laughs> from Sunday to Saturday, as we close out this week, what we're really looking at is a lot. And it kind of closes out with the potential to make use of that lot of stuff. So don't seek to reflect on something 30 seconds after it happened. Give it a little bit of air. Give it a little bit of space because there's so much happening right now, not just with you, but with everyone around you. And so it's going to be hard to know what it all means and what to do with it. Be patient if you can. And if you can't be patient, then be kind. Just be kind to yourself around your impatience or around the impatience of others if you can. Now, my loves, I wish you a safe and healthy week. Keep your eyes on the world around you as this eclipse will absolutely dislodge some shit in the world. And we are seeing some crazy, unprecedented stuff in the news just across the world. It's really a crazy time to be alive. And so pay attention to this eclipse. It will uncork some stuff for better or worse. But the good news about having light on a situation or light on even the worst of human behavior is then we can start coping with it. We can start dealing with it. So don't shy away from the light. Look head on at whatever it is that you're being shown so that you can make choices around it. 
You know, I love you guys. You know, I love you guys. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast at this week as always. And please do star it or give me a review on whatever platform you're listening to it on. And if you haven't already subscribed, please do subscribe. All right, my loves. Have a good one. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here. Yeah, we're still